Welcome to the Tom Nelson Podcast. These are long-form interviews with independent thinkers. I am Tom Nelson here, and today I have Barry Woods to talk to me from the UK. Let's go ahead and talk about how you got started in climate skepticism. Yeah. Um, I'm on Twitter, is at Barry J. Woods, is probably yes. easy to find me. I mean, it's a long time ago now. It was literally the, the leak of the climate gate emails, okay. the emails. Yeah. And, that, and it sort of coincided with the run-up to the Copenhagen conference as well. I've done guest posts at various blogs and met quite a lot of people and over the years and things like that. But I was just came into it as a member of the public. You know, read, I was on a motoring forum website, you know, Piston Heads, and okay. there's a climate change cat out of the bag. And, oh, it leaked to what's up with that. And his leak from crew. And I didn't know anything. You know, IPCC, what's that? Independent Police Complaints Commission. Okay. All the hockey set. I have no idea whatsoever. But what struck me was the, um, I sort of paid attention to it because of the Copenhagen conference and, and you know, lots of alarmist videos all doing tidal wave and mm-hmm. Copenhagen opening conference video that was just a scare fest. Yes, yeah. And um, I sort of paid attention. And I looked at the, we understanding the emails, you know, what's going on in the background, or you know, mm-hmm. climate audit, or real climate hockey it's thick. Mm-hmm. But I noticed the Harry Readme file, you know, this yes. poor guy that was trying to debug the code and it was just awful, and the data management was just awful, and it just looked shocking to me. So I just got in, sort of read into that, and just actually got sucked into, you know, read what's up with that, and ended up. You know, looking for an audit and from UK Bishop Hill and Joe Nova, Cheers Blackboard, the Air Vents, you know, all, all those sort of blogs and you know, fracking consent, consensus. And I, done yes. and I sort of you know, read this emails and read the Harry thing and thought, well, it's going to be reported on the media. And it just went complete silence, nothing, nothing. Mm-hmm. Dead silence. Everyone ignored it. I think the conference has got a lot of attention. Yes. But, um, and I think then James Dunningpole had his Telegraph blog at the time. Yes. And sort of started talking about it. And then I think mm-hmm. about a week later in the Sunday edition, Telegraph, Christopher Booker wrote about it. Yes. Yeah. Then it sort of gradually got more traction. And, you know, mm-hmm. and then, yeah, it got talked about. So I thought, yes, it's all, you know, this will solve you know, all these silly policies that are happening. Well, you know, it's not mm-hmm. settled. It's not the message of, yeah, climate change, yeah, it's real and it's settled and you've got to do these policies. Well, I don't care if it's three degrees, one degree, six degrees, or we're all going to die. The policy is just stupid, you know? Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah. But um, then 12 years later, you know, we have Germany falling apart because, you know, they mm-hmm. close down their nuclear because of the Greens. But, well, if you believe in climate change, why would you not? Yeah, very strange. I was going to ask, uh, before ClimateGate, though, for the years before that, did you uh, think about climate change very much? Or you, you didn't so think about it? I remember, and I think early, mid-90s, thinking, oh, company car in the UK, company car tax rules yeah. changed. So if you got a car with a lower CO2 in, you know, output, you might guess a lower car tax. Oh, OK. Company car. That's, you know, just completely not interested, not aware of the abuse. Um, my personal experience, I mean, I, actually, I have a friend of mine you know, from, for years as a climate scientist, but you know, we, we had, okay. you know, met you know, kids at nursery, um, I think I've seen that and I, I mentioned or mentioned it, oh, go look at real climate change, she said, and I, I had to, and I think I survived three comments before being blocked and banned. <laughs> <You know? laughs> 
interesting. Okay. Which has got, and again, I spoke to her about six months after it said, you know, all that email. So I got completely blown over. You know, nothing, nothing happened in, in, yes. uh, in that, in the actual scientific community. I think 95% of sort of scientists just get on with their jobs. And you only hear the activist ones in the media, which I think a lot of actual scientists are probably a bit embarrassed about. Mm-hmm. You know, all the doom and gloomers and the, the Kevin Andersons and the, all gonna die and you know, billions of deaths and all that sort of thing. But they sort of stick to their own field and don't question other fields so much. Yeah. Um, basically, I knew you know, climate science. Yes, I knew you know, sea level rise. Well, actually, she said, worst case scenario is you know 50 centimeters by 2100. Yeah, back then to my PCC third assessment report, uh-huh. which is actually a co-editor of. <laughs> you know, okay, that's. And you know, the most likely scenario is this. Well, why did why the alarmism? Um, and to some extent, the site who cares? You know, if, if it's mm-hmm. in science, so no one cares about string theory or dark matter controversies or battles. Yes, but what happens is, you know, science says we've got to do this policy. Well, okay, so I think looking back, all the skeptics, which I would say, was looking okay, well, the policy's done, but let's go and look at what the science says. And half the time you find out actually it doesn't say that, or so it's a difference, or if, 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 maybe this, if, maybe this. So you've been focused so much on the science. Think, well, okay, you know, I think I'm gonna quote Steve McIntyre, you know, a, a um, debate he did. You know, if he was a politician, he would listen to the IPCC um, because that's all you've got. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, Science doesn't say what to do about it. Right. It doesn't say to do, build a wind farm or nuclear power station. It doesn't say to abandon meat mm-hmm. or do this or do that or do that. And what sort of got wrapped up in the last 20 years is that the green sort of lobby has wrapped up their own ideology. So it's not just you know, the whole idea of abundant energy. Mm-hmm. If you have the, there's, a, not, there's a story from, I think, Solitaire Townsend, on, which you can track down the transcripts of. She's talking to like 200 hardcore green environmentalists. Imagine a carbon flow waved a magic wand and you could have clean energy, but everyone still drove around, still mm-hmm. consumed. Yeah, who would want that? And they all, no one put their hand up. And she's actually shocked. That's actually quite an activist herself, working for a company called Futera, which was you know, doing mm-hmm. PR and you know, worked quite well with the government. He even appeared in some of the climate file, climate gate documents. Okay. And it's so wrapped up in the reduce, but to reduce this, you know, consumption is bad. You know, oh, okay, oh gosh, you know, whole capitalism causes, you know, mm-hmm. industry, carbon dioxide, oh, we've got to ban everything. Right. So, you know, and perhaps you know, even if you were at the extinction of Benin's sort of frame of mind, all going to die, extinction, all that sort of insanity, even then, net zero might be the bad idea, policy wise. Mm-hmm. You think actually fossil fuels are quite useful and they could protect yeah. the, the climate, but if, even there, it's just this ideology, it's like zero COVID. You know, it's, yeah. it's so extreme that mm-hmm. it sets itself up to fail. Mm-hmm. And, you know, yeah, 20 years ago, we might have always had nuclear, you know, and we could have developed that over 20 years, it wouldn't have cost anything much. Mm-hmm. We could have done other things, or, you know, stop using coal so much, have gas well. Forget CO2, you know, that's probably better for the environment, just particulates, you know, things like that. Mm-hmm. But because it's this extremeness of it, you, I sort of got involved and just sort of tried to push back a bit, just some stubborn, I think. I got fed up with being called a denier by anyone I talked to. 
From your perspective, I'm curious, do you think that climate scientists, most of them believe that we are currently experiencing a climate crisis right now? Do they believe that? I don't know. It depends. I mean, everyone's got a different definition of crisis. Mm -hmm. That's the problem. You know, what is the nature of the climate emergency? Well, I'm, I'm, I'm very sure that most climate scientists don't believe in the extinction rebellion version of that. You know, in five years' time, in 10 years' time, all going to die, or right. human race is going to be extinct, or any extinction. They just don't think that. There are a few that do, and they're the ones who get all the attention, all the media, and all the, you know, the, the lobbyists latch on to, and the politicians, all they hear. Because any sort of nuance is just left. It's, you know, do more. If, you, if you're not talking do, you're you know, denying the problem. Well, is there, you know, what, how bad, you know, if you can look at the, um, you know, history of climate and weather deaths over the last hundred years, it's just, you know, 95% yeah. drop. Yes, yeah. And, you know, red, you know, and, you know, wealthier countries, I mean, you've got clean water, electricity, refrigeration, infrastructure, mm -hmm. uh, less impacted by events, climate events in poorer countries. So, you know, the extent, so, you know, why, you know, the climate activists say, well, you can't let these countries develop because of capitalism or industrialization, it's bad. Well, that protects you from climate. You know, the more, you know, farmed land is sort of managed and, you know, using fertilizer and all the modern techniques means less land is used because the land we use is more productive. But we have lobbyists in the UK right now saying, yeah, we've got to stop producing meat. We've got right. to stop using fertilizer. And they say, what's well, sustainable? Other people might think sustainable means something completely different. You know, if you're a farmer, sustainable means hey, we look after the land, we manage it properly, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But the green lobbyists are saying sustainable means to them means no carbon dioxide, no nitrogen, no this, no cow farts, no. Right. It's, 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 it's a language of debate. It's just. No one even agrees on the word. So, you know, climate emergency. Well, what does it mean? What does it, what climate crisis? Yeah. You know, are so, we happy that? So, it does seem like here in the U.S. at least, there's quite a few politicians who actually believe that floods are way worse than they used to be, and droughts are way worse, heat waves are way worse, hurricanes, everything is way worse, and and it's so urgent that we have to cut CO2 right now because everything is so worse. That's the climate crisis they believe in. But do you think scientists actually believe in that? Uh, I, I can't imagine think, that you do. I don't think the scientists do, but the problem is the lobbyists do. Yeah. I mean, I don't know about the US, but I mean, I got involved a while back, and there's the Climate Works Foundation, which set up over a decade ago, which yeah. does believe that. You know, these big philanthropic and you know, billionaire foundations are going to save the planet, and they do believe these things. And they, the Climate Works, they set up regional foundations, and in, in Europe, there's a the European Climate Foundation. And okay. they've been funding lobby Greenpeace and Client Earth and WEF. All these groups have been lobbying from multiple different directions politicians who are surrounded by think tanks that have been funded. They're surrounded by that. And they're not scientists in lobbies. It's think tanks that, yes, climate science is right. Yes, we're all doomed. We've got this to save the planet because we're, yeah, we want to save the planet because we're good people. You know, we spent that money and there's billions gone into it. And so the scientists are not really that, are not what the science, uh, the um, politicians here. They're just surrounded by these lobbyists. I met David Rose, the journalist, and okay. uh, Mail on Sunday journalist, then Mail on Sunday journalist, at a climate debate the Oxford Union, Al Jazeera did, with uh, Dick Lindzen there. Okay. Um, Mark Linus, um, I think lots of skeptics got invited. And I was sort of looking into 
the European Climate Foundation because they just launched yeah. a website called the Carbon Brief, which is just okay. which is run by then an ex Greenpeace person, which basically just smearing all the skeptics at then. Mm-hmm. And they were funded by this organisation, and I looked into those that what's up with that blog post. But then we look at the their lobbying for anti coal. So actually, both in the Climate Works annual report, you know, we stop coal in the UK, and there were twenty grants, you know, just one year alone, the UK organisations from all sides at every angle, mm-hmm. the politicians, and yes, Kings North, the last. You know, the, new built coal power station it was going to be built got stopped okay. and then all coal got stopped and now we've got no coal in 1986 we had 40% electricity from coal and now we've got none and the same organizations are now lobbying against gas they're saying mm-hmm. they're funding organizations like the green alliance to lobby oh put 20% VAT tax onto domestic gas which is 26 mm-hmm. million homes how they heat their homes which is which would be a 300% rise on the tax or meat tax and then the same organization they're doing it for years and years and years it's not really the scientists they're just you know they're to say science says and all these people take everything as a given and just yes. lobby, lobby to death and a single issue you, know, you get the net zero legislation in the uk and that little video clip i sent you yes you know, yeah engrossing it is the former director of green alliance from 20 years ago rebecca willis Yes. The annual report then says we campaigned and lobbied against new built nuclear 20 years ago. But in that clip, it's been lobbying you know, politicians for 20 years, but we've got no idea how to get there. Right. We've lobbied for 20 years of politicians. She actually ran a climate leadership program in the House of Commons of MPs for 10 years to get them on board. But they signed up to this net zero, they made it law, um, they've had a climate change act. Uh, we've got no idea how to do it. And, you know, as typical politicians do, they set up an independent committee, the Climate Change Committee, mm-hmm. to advise them. So, oh, science is advising us, but the, the okay. committee just get, ends up being packed with activists. Right. They don't care about anything else. It's net zero. So, oh, net zero. Okay, we need to um, put 60% behaviour change in the public. <laughs> oh, yeah, okay. stop eating meat, uh, don't drive, don't fly, don't do this, spamming your gas boiler, don't, you know, all these things that, any politician would say, um, no, <laughs> you're, put, you're going to put tax on gas when gas prices are rising as a cost of living crisis, we're going to tax or ban meats, we're going to, and they don't stand up for the slightest bit of scrutiny, but because there's been no debate, no discussion, it's a surprise all these lobby groups, when the politicians eventually realise, ah, no, that's just not going to work. I do have a point here going back to this who actually yeah. believes in it though because the scientists don't believe it but the people in the lobby groups or even like the mike bloomberg's or the bill gates or pick any name you want uh, al gore i don't see anybody who's actually living any lifestyle themselves consistent with the idea that co2 threatens to kill our children i don't think even the believers believe i think they think they? i think so some of those in those groups are so entitled that it, yeah, so they can rationalize themselves. Mm-hmm. You know, unless everyone changes, it doesn't matter what I do. Yes. It's not about mm-hmm. me. It's um, about it's, everybody else. Yeah. yeah, it's everyone's got to do it. Because you know, I'm even a billionaire with his jet. Well, that's just pointless in the scheme of things. I'm doing my bit anyway. Right, right. Um, mm-hmm. again, I think they even believe very shallowly. If you, you know, yes. I, yeah. to, I mean, I made a point back in the day of actually trying to talk to people on the other side. I went to meetings like campaigns against climate change. I've been to Extinction Rebellion meetings. You have, okay. And my and all those things. I just sat there and listened, and 
most of the activists, even the people involved, that are pretty ignorant about everything. Yeah. It's just given to them. I mean, there's a, I think, um, I think Ben was in a, a panel, Ben Piles in a panel debate with Roger Hallett. Okay. And, yeah. and also one of his XR colleagues on the BBC. And it's like six billion climate deaths. Got to do something. Well, okay, where does that come from? And he didn't know. Can you cite it? Can you quote it? And I think spent a happy sort of afternoon tracking the quote down, mm. you know, and it, it turned out to be from um, 2009. Okay. run up to the Copenhagen conference where uh, Professor Kevin Anderson of the Tyndall Centre said, okay. if by 2050 we had four, five or six degrees of warming, the earth could only support a billion people. So obviously you subtract. Seven. <laughs> okay, all right. And that was it. Okay. You know, obviously that's not going to happen. It couldn't happen. No one's like, no one's saying that's going to happen. That's like an article of faith for them, which is transferred across the year, you know, 12 years. Huh. Okay. I looked back at the XR literature going back to 2018 and the bit before that, and they brought a lot of stuff from the Climate Emergency Project or the Climate Mobilization Project from America. Okay. And you go along, and I eventually found, oh, yeah, they, they quote uh, Kevin Anderson as their source, you know, and it's just lost in the depths of time. No one knew where own quotes come from. And it is nonsense. Mm. It's nonsense then. No one yes. that absolutely more nonsense but no one's going to think you can get four or five six degrees of warming by 2050 and <laughs> you know, support a billion people but it's an ask for faith yes yeah. so many, many things like that i do you could go back but to even talk about you know, how do you counter a soundbite you know someone's like xr there's all going to die science is settled 97 consensus um all this but you might take an hour just going with any one of those points and sound like a very pedantic person and nitpicking, well, the rest of it's right. I mean, well, it's all you know, whispers. Um, again, politicians, I think, latch on to it. Well, saving the planet is best than, you know, oh, yeah. boring stuff, isn't it? It's ego, it's conferences, it's you know, setting an agenda. 2050 will be carbon zero and green jobs and two oh, yeah. million green jobs, says Boris Johnson. And 15 years ago, Gordon Brown, Prime Minister, said a million mm -hmm. green jobs. And you find out actually they came to counting people install double glazing you know <laughs> yeah i think barack obama promised five million green jobs if i remember well, correctly and they were counting bus drivers and still the number yeah, came up to almost nothing yeah yeah i think ben probably you know, actually did an foi request it took a couple of years to find out what they meant and it was just literally just double counting things that existed and but uh, we've got to the point now where reality's caught up you know the last sort of 12 15 years it was all pretty much hidden from the public the, the, mm -hmm. The green levies on the electricity bills or this were mm -hmm. sort of lost in it and the things were far away in the future but now we've got energy crisis in the uk mm -hmm. and it's not russians it's been yeah, 20 years of policy you know you've mm -hmm. lobbied against nuclear 20 years ago you had nick clegg politician saying there's a clip of him saying oh if we start nuclear now we won't be ready for 10 years I and all these lobbyists you know we're lobbying against nuclear then because oh if we have nuclear we don't need renewables because renewables are green and we don't like big energy projects because that's capitalism or big we want nice and greeny stuff not technology that we know works so that markets gets fixed to the re renewable obligation certificates so wind farms get preferential access to the grid they don't, you know, why doesn't nuclear get that same bet on because it's nuclear you know they, they lobby and lobby and lobby and lobby mm -hmm. they lobby against coal the very same organizations that lobby against coal now lobbying against gas yes 
and they're just so fixated on the vision of the future is just no getting through to them. These are central people. I mean, I went to Conservative, I, I think I joined the Conservative Party just to go and not quite heckle, you're going to moan about policies and politics, but go and join a party that's doing the done things. They can't throw you out to a member. <laughs> you know, this is silly. A lot of people actually agree with you, but it's got such mm-hmm. a momentum. So in so, the UK, we've got a hundred, there's a Conservative Environment Network and a hundred Conservative Party MPs are part of that. Okay. It's funded by the European Climate Foundation. Mm, okay. They're pretty much doing their roadmap to 2050 that they, the European Climate Foundation of the Climate Works Foundation put in place a decade ago. To literally use Europe as a guinea pig for policies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They boast about their annual reports. You know, we got Kingsworth Council. They're lobbying against coal now and gas now. But those 100 Conservative MPs, they're wrapped in the neck with the European Climate Foundation. They've been lobbied to death by the Green Alliance for 10 years think tanks all, you know, all the think tanks have just all got this you know climate change is bad it's all going to die and it's just no sense of perspective do you know where the european climate foundation gets their money i think ben mentioned that when he was well, on my is, podcast it, yeah. they originally started with it was funded originally like 15 years ago as a climate works foundation okay and i think it started with like 500 million dollars mm-hmm. from either the hewlett foundation or the packard foundation okay and over the next 10 years another 500 million went into it yeah you know? and there's even a nature paper about climate philanthropy you know about the, that climate works foundation okay but over the time there's been loads of other foundations jump in you've got oak you've got the corner bane you've got Rockefeller. It's, there's dozens now um and right now you get a lot of funding from the um foundation that's sort of by sir christopher holm and it's just from a politician's perspective they're just surrounded by it you know, we had a climate assembly in the uk mm-hmm. we had a, a few years ago, I thought it's all going to wind down. You know, mm-hmm. the next R came along, climate mobilization project, climate emergency. And it was a climate emergency, net zero, and citizens assembly to sort it out. Um, but the European Climate Foundation were funding XR to get a climate assembly, to lobby on the streets, make direct action to get a climate assembly. And, and I think Sir Christopher Hondit as well, it was like 400,000 pounds, just get on the street, put pressure on. Um, mm-hmm. And we have organizations like the Green Alliance, you know, actually quoting on their own blog, it's completely out there. There's no conspiracy. The Green Alliance, you have the Rebecca Willis, the former director, now an associate, saying, you know, the activists put the you know, pressure on and we offer solutions. You're funded by the same people. And that's where we get to where we are. And um, they all believe. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, 20 years ago, that Rebecca was an, would have been an activist. And we got recently, they were, um, all the climate assemblies, you see, they've got a new policy advisor called Helena Bennett. Okay. And two years ago, Helena Bennett was an XR social media organization. You can track back her social media history and see her showing her XR tattoo on her arm, you know. Okay. And well, and the activists, when they grow up, you know, a lot of them just are going to do normal jobs, but the really ones that are really keen and want to save the planet go into the think tanks, go into lobbyists, go into the little charities and pressure groups. They move from those. those organizations and civil service and back again to the bigger think tanks, the bigger organizations have whole careers out of them. Mm-hmm. But they're just as extreme ideology. It's net zero or nothing. Nothing else matters to them. Um, you know, the fact that it might okay. cost or you know, bills might go up, or it's just got to do that. You know, future mm-hmm. generations. So, and I actually so. went to a hustings, the Conservative Party hustings, the list okay. and Rishi Sonak. I was talking to the chairman of the local party, saying, look, cost of living crisis is going to kill you. And net zero is going to kill you. And he's talking about sea level rise in 2100. No one cares. You get out of gas, your gas bill's tripling now. Mm-hmm. Businesses, 
still tripping now. I said, yeah, oh, but 2,300, it might be a metre. Well, again, Netherlands is six metres underwater. Mm-hmm. Below sea levels, I'm like, we can cope, we can adapt, we can use them, you know. Mm-hmm. But it's like, he always looked at me like I was immoral, you know, not caring about <laughs> generations because they're so, what about people now? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's just, it's just a cultural bandwagon or phenomenon. It's not yeah. any conspiracy. It's just this, I think, it's like, you could say the madness of crowds. But it's just, it, I guess it's like extreme risk avoidance with absolutely zero perspective. You, you've got to avoid the slightest, yes. slightest, slightest possible risk. But by doing that, you create all sorts of problems. But no, you've got to focus on the, that. I have two follow-up questions. Yeah. Uh, I'd like to know what it was like to go to the Extinction Rebellion meetings. And then the other one is, what do you think is the effect on the general public when Extinction Rebellion does all this crazy stuff and uh, blocks traffic and I don't know what else they've done? I think there's also tire extinguishers that are either uh, slashing tires I mean, or it's, it's deflating a, tires. I mean, How's that going I, over? I, I was looking back 20 years ago mm-hmm. and you had a group of activists doing the same sort of thing then. Okay. Yeah, you get, and it's just the next generation come along and get scared oh. by climate change. Okay. But I think the public just, just tired of it. But the activists, are, you know, they're passionate, most of them are passionate, they, they really, really believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you know, they like to attack climate scientists for not being, you know, activists enough. But the oh. you know, climate scientists don't actually believe we're going to go extinct in five years. But I went to some of these meetings. I mean, I talk about XR, but I went to one in the UK, there's a campaign against climate change, which pretty much was a shoestring organisation for you know, a long, long time. I went to one of those, that te- I think, 2012, and they had Greenpeace, the Guardians, John Vidal, and Professor Peter Wadden. Okay. Know, and it was literally doom, gloom, methane emergency group, which is not even everyone, they were even embarrassed about. You know? Okay, yeah. Uh, and... Um, and they're talking about, you know, sea level, um, Arctic ice can be gone. And Professor Wadham has been all over the TV, all over the media. He's an outlier in the climate science community. I even, you know, watched a Royal Society meeting where he was actually laughed at. By really? Scientists. And he actually, and the guy sort of doing live tweeting, you know, he sort of commented on this. And Wadham went after him. He made a complaint to university. Um, but, you know, back to that meeting, he's saying, all gone by 2013. And I was sitting there, and some young man in a trench coat, 20 something, just actually stormed out the room. I can't take this anymore. I can't take this anymore. And it's like, well, I wonder where he is now, where 12 years later, when Nazi guys actually higher than it was then. And, you know, it's not gone. And but the next generation of actors come along and just repeat everything. But yeah, okay. that's it. I went to an XR meeting back in the early days, about 2019 or something. And it was. Um, yeah. In a sort of above a coffee shop in local town where I work, okay. and speaker and lots of people. It's all very well scripted. I remember looking up the speaker's notes saying, "Don't ask questions. Do this. Do that. Oh. All these sorts of things." But it's like he really brought everyone down. Mm-hmm. You know? And then what? And yeah, and it, let's build them up again to compare them to Rosa Parks or okay. or just activists that saved the world and made a difference. To actually encourage them to go out on the streets and glue themselves to roads, do this sort of thing, get arrested. And it was middle-aged people from Henyon Thames, you know, very, very posh. Mm. And and that was a but it worked. They literally got a climate assembly and net zero signed into law because mm. the bigger organizations came along, like Green Alliance, say, well, actually, we're not going to do a citizen assembly, but we've been pushing climate assemblies the last 
couple of years is a way to get past the we have got no public politicians telling them they've got no mandate from the public oh so get this great big focus group 100 people in a room get all the experts to tell them things and they can be the mandate from the public which means politicians feel comfortable going along and delivering lots of policies that the public might not like very much um but again yeah, the Green Alliance's own research said, why are these politicians we've been lobbying for 20 years, had a climate leadership program for 10 years, why aren't they doing what we want? Why are they not getting legislation? Mm -hmm. They found out because the public, you know, interview 20 MPs or 17 MPs, they just, you know, public don't mention it, not from thousands of doors, never mentioned once. Mm -hmm. But they went away and came up with the idea of climate citizens' assemblies. XR come along, pushing for a citizens' assembly, and the, you know, the, the sensible solution is mm -hmm. we can we, we're not going to do that but we can offer a citizens assembly like they did in ireland for abortion we have a citizens assembly about okay. a specific thing and that works and we duly had a citizens assembly which is you know run and organized by all the activists which you know i could, could go for hours on talking about but you know, rebecca willis was you know the expert lead so she pushed for it lobbied for it becomes an expert lead on it um mm -hmm. starts talking about nuclear and well, you're the person lobbying against it 20 years ago and boasted about it in the annual report. <laughs> and you know, you're a professor in practice. Well, you know, that says Angelina Jolie oh. and William Hague. But the you know, 100 people in the room thought it was an academic. It, it literally, yeah. you, know, you get people from outside academic, you know, get an academic title. Mm -hmm. I think William Hague is as well, you know, politician. And but the public, oh, this is an independent, you know, scientist person. Um, but okay. they're career lobbyists, they're career activists, and mm -hmm. you know, did a PhD and eight months later, he's a professor in practice, the PhD she did was a research into the politicians, why haven't we got a mandate? Um, uh -huh. You look at her PhD and it was directed by the Green Alliance, Okay. You know, don't interview these sceptic MPs, you want to talk oh. to these people, and it was just unbelievable. You know, so, some of the expert leads, I don't know if Ben talked about this, but mm -hmm. we had hmm. um, nobody from you know, nuclear power there, but okay. we had um, an activist that founded Age of Stupid, plain oh. stupid, talking as a, an informant. We had, I, I, I remember him, you know, he, he was, he did the Trump blimp in London, above, you know, the oh. blimp, Trump flying around London, he's a late party activist, but the public there were, you know, he's presented to them as a, you know, independent, neutral person. We had a guy called Jason Torrance as a okay. UK Transport 100, and it's like a think tank and thing. Well, actually, he's just an activist that's grown up. It's 20 years ago. He was a co-founder of Earth First UK. You know, anti-nuclear, anti-car. And spent this last 20 years lobbying against it. We had a, another doctor talking about trans public transport better over road use. But he actually founded an anti-car lobby group. He was arrested three months previous to the XR demo. There's a leader, but the public were not told about that at the meeting. Right. And it's just, it just their own little... I mean, the European Climate Foundation part funding it, but we're not you know, in any way involved in influencing things. Well, you funded half the people, organizations that are speaking and on the European Climate Foundation's own website. We're protecting it from outside interests. Oh. We had a, the communications team where the ECIU, which was funded by the European Climate Foundation, with, with Richard Black, the former BBC presenter, sort of running the comms. And I actually got blocked on Twitter for pointing out some of these things. Okay. I started commenting to journalists, why am I blocked on Twitter for commenting on these things? And you know, why has this person, um, some professor said to the all the delegates, 
China is not, uh, what about China's at one of the audience members? Yeah, building lots of coal. They're not building any new coal power. They ended up when the transcripts came out, there's a big proviso, oh, this is not quite accurate. Mm -hmm. I mean, Ben Powell wrote a report for Net Zero Watch about the Climate Assembly and how it was just, yeah, and I focus group, you know, the experts had got in charge of focus group and pushed the public in the direction they wanted to go. Yeah, well, they, they probably believe they're doing it in good faith. Huh. You know, we are the experts, everyone's a denier. Um, but but I'm, I'm sorry, I, in the, this was an assembly where they were supposed to be hearing from the public? Were they supposed to be hearing yeah, from everybody? Yeah, making yeah. a decision. And it's, you know, presented, experts presenting to them about yeah. these issues. And you've got to make a decision. As, you know, the 100 members of public you know, recommendations to politicians about what the public wants. Basically, okay. read, read Ben's, Ben Powell's report. But okay. On climate change assembly, and it goes through a lot of it. Mm -hmm. I remember watching that and just looking at all these people. And, oh, he's an activist. He's an activist. He's done this. It was just and this organisation's funded by these people that want these policies, and it was just embarrassing. So, in some ways, that's sort of almost like a win because I think I think I, I suggested to Ben um, Global Warming Policy Foundation they do something on this, and I think Ben put a pitch together to write something. And I spent a lot of time. It's just around COVID, just looking into all the detail. Mm -hmm. And <clears throat> it was just, it was, and the BBC did a program about it. It was like the public mandate to give politicians mm -hmm. the mandate to do this. And I think you don't know the negatives, do you? But mm -hmm. it was being pushed really, really hard. But you know, that report came out and it's so blatant, you know, some mm -hmm. of the silliness in there, um, that. People who don't understand climate science or any of the issues, think, well, actually, you've got anti-nuclear lobbyists doing this, or you've got the expert lead saying, oh, well, we don't want any climate skeptics there. Yeah, well, okay. Right. Or, yeah, or the lead saying, you know, a few years ago, writing to the BBC to try and get Nigel Lawson off the airwaves. Now, it, it's that they're blatantly activists on the subject. And whether or not they're right or not, you don't do it like that. You get, you know, you want to present to the public, you do it honestly, you present honestly, you tell people who you are. And it was just, you know, I mean, a focus group session. I mean, I, I can make a, a fun example. There was, there's one speaker there called Christine Leggett, and she was supposed to be representing the youth. I represent the youth. The youth, okay. The youth, and, you know, and, um, and in a question and answer session, how do you know you represent the youth? Uh, really? Audience member. They weren't down, but they, they were they're pretty oblivious to what's going on around them. But how do you know that? And she says, I don't. <laughs> okay. It's just, I mean. So a climate skeptic was allowed to talk? Or well, no, it's just, they, yeah. they actually, it was done quite well. They, they tried yeah. to get you know, a proportion of, you know, by surveys, what people are skeptical. Oh, they did? Okay. And and that was, a, that was just an obvious question. How do you know you represent these people? Well, that doesn't might not be a climate skeptic, it could be anybody, they're ordinary members of the public. Okay. And it was just, just an amusing moment. But I think, mm. yeah, in some ways, you don't know, I think that would have been used like one of these 97% consensus or yes. the science is settled. You know, mm. public, you know, we've had assembly, it's what the public wants. And because, and that sort of just died away. It's, again, you just don't know. But the same organizations that you are know, lobbying for banning meat or, big tax rises on gas and that's i think they've never obviously had any debate with anyone even not the climate skeptic but anyone skeptical of the yeah. idea are you really going to put you know increase 
tax on domestic gas which people use to heat their homes and have hot water and cook by 20% to encourage them to use you know, air heat pumps. But even by the government's own figures at 600,000 heat pumps a year, there'd be people on the, that paying that higher rate of tax for decades waiting their turn to have. Are you going to do that? Yeah. Or ban meat? I mean, there's one story about we're going to you know, reduce meat consumption or meat tax. Mm -hmm. And they've been lobbying it, but I'm looking at the, like the Green Alliance website, they've been lobbying for that sort of thing for years, as had had the groups, as had the European Climate Foundation. It got announced in the Times like Monday morning, mm -hmm. and I was watching the, the Sun's environment correspondent, watching the story go throughout the day. Okay. And it's like, well, it's definite, it might happen, it could happen. Boris bans meat tax within a space of about 10 hours. Mm -hmm. okay. <laughs> the idea is it survived the public scrutiny. For about 10 minutes, you know, actually 10 minutes. This is a real thing happening now, unlike mm. the last 10 or 12 years where it's all a bit hypothetical in the future. These policies are being really shoved through now, you know, banning petrol cars, banning mm. your gas boiler in your home by 2025, banning new ones where you can't do things that actually affect people's day-to-day -day lives. And that's where I think going forward, let's you know, the last year or two, maybe going forward, yeah, you know, all the arguments about wind farms that were made 15 years ago were still valid now, but they would actually be noticed by a lot more people now. Yes, yeah. Um, and I remember, I think, when I stopped blogging, so I thought, I'm just talking to people that are sceptical. Then maybe if we all took a holiday, you know, what's up for that? Joan and I, every single blog said, can we go on holiday for a year? Let's just forget about it. The mm. activists would have to invent new people to be blamed for their failed policy failures. Ah, OK. You know, anyone that questioned, oh, this, is this a good idea, or should we do that, should we do that? They'd end up being called climate change deniers. And now I'm just asking a question. And you might realise all those people being called climate change deniers before. Mm. Um, well, actually, they weren't these evil people that funded by big oil or this or this or this immoral. You know, the you know, running joke amongst people I know is like, well, the, the Exxon checks in the post. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like individual bloggers with a free WordPress better and a Twitter feed. There's all these hundreds of think tanks with billionaire back foundation, jobs and jobs and jobs and reports and Dozens of report in you know, it, a whole career industry out there. Mm -hmm. I was like, well, if that was true, you know, it, it, they're, they're doing on, you know, we're doing on peanuts and we're really, really good at it. You know, why not just fund this all 10 million quid and stop funding all these idiot think tanks that you're spending hundreds of billions on? And we, if we're so evil, we'll just retire and spend our money, you know, <laughs> <laughs> what you want. I think that's sort of happening now. You know, it's yeah. become more mainstream because the policies are actually affecting day to day energy policies, other policies, are actually impacting on people now. And yeah. the activists and the lobbyists are you know, getting quite strident again, because arguments they thought they'd won years ago. Well, there's never been a discussion or argument or debate. Politicians have just gone along with it, because we're saving the planet, you know, green jobs, green mm. technology, yeah. conservative you know, manifesto from 2019. You know, everything's going to be wonderful, investments, Mm -hmm. You know, this and green jobs. Well, in that manifesto, you know, meat taxes, banning this, banning that, 60% behavior, none of that's mentioned. It's all everything is going to be free and as good as before. Life will be normal. And mm -hmm. it can't be. Are you following what's going on in uh, Sri Lanka, Netherlands, and Canada, where yes. various crackdowns on yes. fertilizer and farming and uh, nitrogen pollution? I think it really does seem, like you said, it's coming to a head around the world, I think, where yeah. the rubber's hitting the road. And uh, well, no... in, in, in Holland, particularly, I think it's not just the nitrogen. They actually want to stop 30 to 50% stop making producing meat. Just stop it. Again, that's, yeah, that's to prevent yeah. bad weather, right? 
you know, just to, to stop, you know, stop farming cattle, you know, yeah. half the production of cattle. And again, that goes back to this, well, if you've got a roadmap for 2050, farming is one that on the roadmap, land use is on the roadmap. We've got to ban fertilizer because of this. You've got to get rid of cattle because it's high carbon footprints. Mm -hmm. And that is a European Climate Foundation um, strategy. And you look to the UK, we have the Conservative Environment Network. They've just got the two of all the candidates to be prime minister to sign the Conservative Environment Network pledges, which like one of them is, um, oh, commit to sustainable farming. Well, I think, of course, you want sustainable farming. Why not mm. sign up to that? They keep mm. it managed and properly. But no, in their view, sustainable means, um, well, we, we, we will reweld things, we will stop using nitrogen, and we will stop meat production because that's sustainable in their view. But these candidates are signed up to that and they just don't know what they're doing. Mm. Um, same with insulation. No, we will insulate everything. Mm. Okay. To so say, yes. Save the cost of living crisis. Well, it, on you know, government figures, Environmental Audit Committee, it was it came back with 19 million homes will need 18,000 pounds each spent on them, which is about 340 billion pounds, and that was without an air heat pump. Okay. Yeah, it was about eight to 12,000 pounds. That's about 26, 30,000 pounds per house times 19 million. Well, all the parliament, all the candidates of BPM signed up to do that. Excellent. How much would you save a year if you went from EPC, you know, environmental performance certificate of a house and a D to a C, 170 pounds a year, you'd say. Well, they've all pledged to do that. Hmm. They just don't know what they just believe in fantasies. They don't understand how anything works. You just think, oh, we just insulate homes. Well, okay, if we decide to do that, that could take decades. And who's going to pay? Mm -hmm. You know, or we've got 90,000 grants worth for 90,000 homes. Well, what about the other 25? million nine hundred and forty thousand. <laughs> none of it's going to happen but they're doubling down to just do severe and severe things so how do you think it is going to play out over the next two to five years do you think the public is not going to take this right it, it can't I mean, yeah. the public seems to you know, take an awful lot but i think this yeah. year uh -huh. gas bills will just crippled. Yes. but again all the lobbyists say we need more renewables you know and so yeah. well renewables have preferential access to the grid so if you've got 27 gigawatts of renewable wind and we've got 27 gigawatts of gas, renewables get it first. But clearly we need gas because there's no wind, which means you can't actually buy gas in the future so, you know, a month or two in advance at low cost. You've got to fill the gaps in wind at higher cost. But renewables are cheapest. Well, they're not if they're not delivering it. But yeah. Oh, pushing this. And it's just quite scary. Maybe I think what scared me most was the farming stuff. I could not, you know, Sri Lanka was bad enough. Mm, Holland, yes. Germany, we're going to you know, literally buy land, buy the land off farmers and almost build houses on it mm -hmm. and take it away. It stop producing food. And the public can understand that. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Again, in a lot of the environmental people's view, food is too cheap. We waste oh. food. So it's like, well, make it more expensive. And it's just this insane focus on net zero. We're all going to die because of climate emergency, but they can't or won't even define what it is. And mm -hmm. you can ask a million people what climate emergency is. They have probably a million different answers. You know, from mm -hmm. the Roger Hallam's we're going to, six million people are going to die in five years, which is nonsense. Well, maybe we should do net zero if that was true. But if it's not, well, why are we doing it? You know, it's, but you can't even get that discussion. It's just so entrenched every, in the UK, every political party the last 20 years is basically on exactly the same point. 
-hmm. Now, when the Climate Change Act came about, there's a video of Brian Worthington, who's a Friends of the Earth campaigner, mm -hmm. who came, ended up writing the act, and became yes. a, a law peer. And they were competing with each other. You know, I think the Labour suggested 60% reduction by 2050. The Tories, Cameron came back with 80%, the Lib Dems hit 100%, you know. And they signed it into law, no idea how much it would cost, um, or do, or even if possible, or how to do it, or anything. They just did it. And then Theresa May to get her legacy, signed it into law. So now all those climate works, all those foundations have been lobbying for climate net zero and now funding organizations like Client Earth that a decade ago were lobbying against coal power to you know, fight the government every single thing. We, that's not in line with your legislation. You can't do that. You can't build this, you can't do it. Nothing is compatible with net zero. But they signed into law the politicians, you know, oh, we want to do another couple of runways. Well, we can't. You've just signed it into law. You know what net yeah. zero means? Do you not understand it? <laughs> but I just, it's got to the point where reality is caught up and the next year or two could be extremely painful. And yeah. my example, that those 100 MPs that are part of the Concerned Environment Network, they believe. And you just can't challenge them. I went to a, a Conservative Party environmental policy forum debate. And there's some chaps in Tory think tanks saying, well, we can have, we'll have, um, electric planes in 10 years, flying across the mm. Atlantic and do this, and we can do oh. problems with this, and we can get rid of gas next, you know? And there's another um, person on the panel debate, an actual engineer, just sort of chewing her fingers off at the stupidity of it. Mm. <laughs> and it, but again, at that meeting, there was a breakout meeting, um, low impact energy sources, you know, and then, you know, panel debate in 100, 200 conservative party members in various parts of the country. There's a panel debate, there's a guy talking about wind energy, Someone else talking about hydrogen economy, someone else talking about solar, someone else talking about something else, someone else talking about wave. And I thought, you know, I put my hand up. Okay, um, question for the organizer. Where's a person from the nuclear power industry? There wasn't one. Oh, okay. But okay, are we trying to send a message here? <laughs> you know, it's like Do you have uh, politicians that are saying sane stuff like you are saying? Do they have yeah, the guts I mean, to say uh, practical things? Yeah. I mean, there's a few Labour MPs of a few years, and um, the Conservative Party, I think there's like a net zero group, um, net zero watch group, but there's a, also a net yes. zero, six times bigger. You know, okay. you've got, and you know, it's like a couple of MPs now are part of the Global Warming Policy Foundation or the net zero watch group. Okay. But I remember seeing on Twitter that, oh, the Conservative Environment Network MPs or that group outnumber that group of M Tory MPs by six to one. Okay. <laughs> Arguably, you know, those guys just signed up for, you know, oh, take the banner, do this, do this, do that. Mm -hmm. and the other guys that have been signed up to the, the group are going to be demonized to death. Probably better at arguing the point. You know, I, I don't know if those other people fade away when reality starts sitting in, sinking in. But it's, I think it's got so much momentum. It's going to be a lot of pain. Yes. I mean, yeah. Germany is arguably worse. They they are mm -hmm. literally talking about industry shutting down, warm mm -hmm. rooms for people to go to. You know, oh, yeah. Really, really, really awful. Um, again, that's 20 years of lobbying against energy that works versus, you know, oh, we can't have nuclear, we've got to have renewable. Because if we have nuclear, that discourages renewables. So you've got to stop nuclear oh, to get renewables. Oh, okay. okay. happened in France, it's happened in Germany. There's a whole sort of green ideology about big is bad. And it's just, I think, I think at the stage you sort of sit back and watch it unfold and say, I told you so, but you know, my energy bills are double, tripling. 
you know, my wife's business might go triple. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think we've got a fixed policy yeah. for another 18 months, but you know, thousands, tens of thousands of businesses just could go bust because can't pay the electricity bill. Schools could close because they can't pay electricity bill. Swimming pools are closed. You know, yes, yeah. worry about yeah, you know, or we'll give rebates to people on the lowest income. Well, their jobs will go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Right. Because you know, if you if you're not you know, public sector and your energy bill goes from increases five times, your that could be all your profit margin, and you, and it's no end in sight. What What is the impression uh, you get when you're just talking to ordinary people over there? Uh, do they bring it up a lot that boy the weather's getting worse? Is that yeah, a thing? Never mentions climate change. It's, yeah, I mean, me neither. No. I, I think that, I think it's, I'm always you're talking to climate activists. It's like well we. We should talk to each other because public don't care, you know. <laughs> they might just, I mean, I, I think what people forget is um, there's scare stories all the time about everything, yes. everything yep. we give you, mm-hmm. you know? and it just washes over people. Yeah, that's you a know? very good point. Yeah, um, again, how many times has Prince Charles said, Have you got 10 years to save the planet? or nine, I remember at least three times in the last 30 years, you know, mm-hmm. you've got 18 months to save the planet. I, I remember when you said we've got. 96 months to save the planet 15 years ago. <laughs> because I'm saying it again. For the next generation of activists coming along, the next generation of politicians come along. Um, and just recently to this week, oh, you know, glaciers in Tibet, billion of people not having any water. Oh, I remember that 15 years ago. And it was nonsense then and nonsense now, but it just the cycle continues. Yeah. It, it, uh, was, it was fun for me because I actually visited Glacier National Park myself last fall and i found a sign at the uh, headquarters that said that looks like the glaciers are going to be gone by 2020 and i was there in 2021 and they were still there they hadn't changed the sign that sign yet kind of funny it's just a cultural phenomenon now there's so much it's just like a certainty Mm -hmm. reality is catching up you know if you if you mean that zero that means massive public behavior change every level and and you've got a cost it costs the public a fortune as well and yeah. no one's going to spend. I'm not going to spend eighteen thousand pounds replacing my my gas boiler. Right, right. Home, that. And no neither is no neither are twenty million other people. One, they can't afford to. They've got no, no desire to. But that's the government policy. By the Independent Climate Change Committee recommendation. Independent. I think you asked me you know, what my thoughts of the future were. Yes. Um. Again, it's it's all two thoughts on that. It's got such a momentum. Mm-hmm. It could go on for a long time. Yeah. Um, but then again, it's so shallow what people understand, like the, not the politicians about why they're doing things, and they just they just had sound bites for years. You know, renewables are the cheapest form of energy. Well, they're not. You know, otherwise we'd be having cheap energy right now. <laughs> you know, in the UK we've got lots of wind, but it's mm-hmm. somehow not cheap. It's you know, we've had things to support it, like ninety-seven percent of scientists say. Therefore, we must do this policy, and then and it's all the other various sort of sound bites. Mm-hmm. Um, and as soon as they get interrogated and challenged, you know, mm-hmm. is wind really the cheapest? Or by more and more people outside of, you know, skeptic bloggers or Twitter people, mm-hmm. just actual real people. And you see the media gradually going there. And mm-hmm. it will be a cost living crisis in the UK. Well, you know, you've got gas bills at a triple. I thought we had the cheapest renewable energy. It's not. Right. Um, so it could go on for a while, or it could just suddenly sort of double night burst. It, it's really hard to say. Mm-hmm. Because you know, for years it's been such a momentum and such multi-side lobbying. There's been never any real debate. There's, there's never any debate about how to do net zero or how much it would cost or if it's technically possible. It was just done, and you mm-hmm. had that clip from 
you know, Rebecca Weir's on the Climate Change Assembly saying, well, we don't know how to do it. <laughs> <laughs> you've been lobbying the guys for 20 years, you've not told them how to do it. <laughs> no, mm -hmm. fine. So I don't know, it could go either way. Um, but then looking back, that's what I've been, you know, my sort of interest was, yeah, you know, I, I think I told you at the beginning that I was interested in, you know, making tips to sort of various bloggers and doing poll on this. And I think my first blog post was um, Skeptic Alerts. You know, we had George Monbiot in the Guardian saying, mm. astroturfing, oil-funded people, astroturfing his comment section. I think, well, actually, George, there's this campaign against climate change, which you were like vice honorary president of. They actually do that with the skeptic box. You know, they, they get their activists to go and troll skeptic box to put comments in, including James Denningpole. And Andrew Montford of Bishop Hill, and you know, here it is. You know, I've been to their website. I've got, I've signed up to the, the skeptic alerts, and I sort of gave, gave a tip to James Edinburgh. We duly wrote about it. Get my, get your trolls off my lawn, George Bombio. Um, he's, he's <laughs> okay. that, I think Telegraph blogs web, but it's on his website now. Okay. And I thought, well, that's that's James's take on it, and that's my. I wrote up a you know a blog post and just submitted it to um, Bishop Hill, and that's my first blog post. Oh, okay. Um, well. No one else is saying this. So I did, you know, some more for there. Did sort of thing that Joe Nova did, and I did quite a bit. Um, we can say what's up with that on similar uh, things. But for the first year or so, I was pushing back on you know, climate denier. You know, you're mm -hmm. either believing climate change or denier. You're not allowed to talk. You're mm -hmm. excommunicated from the BBC. Um, you just not even allowed at the table to talk you're not a sensible person so for mm -hmm. quite a long time i was just pushing back on that and they look at those that language of you know it's, it's clearly activist type re rhetoric and you can recognize it yeah and only other political subject you know de denial you know it's just political rhetoric but at the time scientists are using it politicians are using it and i spent quite a long time pushing back and it's like calls of shame with yeah. people like, you know, this going back 15 years with um, Richard Lindzen and Professor Stott and other people, evil Exxon-funded deniers. Mm -hmm. And I, th I think my, my take was actually, well, okay, I'll go and the person, uh, people that are credited with that. I mean, there's George um, Marshall of the organization called Rising Tide, okay. also the Climate Outreach and Information Network. And he's an ex-Greenpeace director, ex-activist, ex-Rainforest person came back to the UK, got interested in climate change. I got a little um, picture of him in 1991 saying the planet's going to die of the banner at a G7 conference. And 30 years later, he's still doing it. Okay. Um, but he and Mark Linus were sort of credited on by some organisation as, you know, that phrase. I mean, I think it should have been used before, but they actually credited the phrase. He's responsible for calls of shame. The campaign against climate change had a hall of shame. By the way, you've got to fight back against that. And so it's sort of cut board a bit, a bit. So I was pushing for years. I was sort of pushing back about that. And I was actually, I, I knew quite a few climate scientists, and I mm -hmm. gradually got involved in debates. And I got to the point where actually, you know, I'm not a climate change denier. You know, I, I'm allowed to talk to people. But you saw pressure from activists saying, "Why are you talking to people like Barry or other skeptics, the UK scientists?" Because they deny it. So don't talk to them. And again, I think that graphic I sent you with the, the social media network. I, yes. I saw I saw the research before it's published and because mm -hmm. the researcher actually asked it. So your name's actually on all, everyone's name is on each note. Okay. But yeah, yeah. Should I anonymize it? So yeah. I was actually fine with it, but I was thinking at the time, the bit sort of the purple section within the UK is where because it is the political debate was settled, there's no it's not a political issue, it's not you know, 
Republicans versus Democrats, every party in the UK was fully on board consensus. There's actually some you know, discussion going on between scientists that are chatting with skeptics and commenting on Bishop Hill blog. And then you know, some person, the Bishop Hill blog was skeptical. Professor Lewandowski is climate skeptic conspiracy theorist. And we laughed like a drain because the comment he picked up as a spouting conspiracy theory is a guy called Richard Betts, who happens to be the chair of climate impacts of the British Met Office. We've just been, and again, we thought that's funny at first. Mm -hmm. And oh, I'm in that data as well, and so am I. That's appalling. Psychologists going after people who mm -hmm. label them as conspiracy theories and matters, whereas it's just another continuation of their deniers. You know, they're just right. that sort of labeling. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so a long time I was pushing back against that. And eventually, you get to some sort of credibility. You end up on a panel debate with you know, three climate scientists mm -hmm. of the Open University about social media and climate change communication. Um, it was with you know, Joe Smith at the Open University, you might remember as being part of the actual seminars that the BBC yeah. had, that supposedly with a high-level meeting that stopped skeptics being here at the BBC. Oh, okay. Um, I ended up in a book he wrote called Climate Narrators. But on that panel debate, I was there were three people on the panel. I knew them. It wasn't antagonistic. I met them before, talked to them before, chatted them before. Um, I actually suggested to the organiser the actual person did that research you saw well mm -hmm. maybe he should go on that panel debate because it's social media research and the organizer well you'll have one but why don't you come along as well and there's like mm -hmm. an hour-long video somewhere it's on the internet and me doing that so i thought well actually I'm, you know i'm allowed to be in the room and i might not be, i might be wrong but i'm allowed to actually talk i'm not a denier anymore mm -hmm. and that was for me that's you know, very very important okay right. um actually allowing that to happen but you those people had a lot of pushback at the time. Why are you talking to these people? You had um, Bob Ward from the Royal Society, other people you know, challenging, why are you giving these people information? Why are you talking, even talking to them? So when we go with that social media network, that would just take the names off. I don't care who I'm talking to, mm -hmm. but that might be a list of scientists that, oh, you're talking to these skeptics. There'd be more pressure on them, you know, stop doing that. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah, so that's why that ends up being anonymized. Okay. It, it showed it, there's actually, a debate going on there's a discussion there's mm -hmm. it's very diverse as you were included you were mm -hmm. because it was on social media and twitter it wasn't in a silo on a blog you know you weren't ghettoized right, yeah, anyone right. could talk to anyone and yes. if there's interest you have a chat about it so that was i thought really really positive at the time that's a bit of a background there but i think i spent a lot of time pushing back against the sound bites good, so good. It's, it's indeed sustaining yeah it's the Science has settled, yeah, all these other things built up better, renewables are cheap. It's just these sound bites yeah. that are just pushing things forward. Um, so I looked at the 97% consensus and did my own little, what else did the scientists say? Found the, you know, the Doran paper, actually it was citing a master's thesis, and okay. I tracked down the master's thesis online, it's 120 pages, and there was, and in the comments there's a lot of skeptical feedback from the scientists that took part in it you know science isn't settled man was wrong all these sort of things and it, mm -hmm. and it wasn't that i was not proving anybody wrong i was just saying actually it's that it's more complicated than this binary you believe we don't believe and again mm -hmm. <laughs> looking back you know skeptical mm -hmm. science did not like that <laughs> you know i think that's i got on their on their radar because i ended up in you know michael Merritt, this washington deniers blogger that ends up in a psychology paper researching skeptics you know, hang about how, how's that happen you know, i'm you're researching people you're at war with i have a yeah. question about michael mann because i've seen him many times uh say that he's being attacked by bots on twitter and i i've never 
Yeah. But I, I have not seen any Twitter handle that I recognize as a climate skeptic bot. I would like him to tell us. I think they assume and, they're bots. It could be just be people. I mean, but again, I think you know, climate scientists do get attacked by idiots on the internet that might be called sexist. Some random member of the public who just seems mm -hmm. some daft thing, knows very little about anything, yeah. and just says something nasty to them. Mm -hmm. And it could even be because one person said something, another climate scientist gets in the neck, that, another climate scientist gets in the neck, and that's real. That happens, mm -hmm. you know, again, so there's the opposite. It's just people being nasty to each other. Mm -hmm. um, and it's so much of that, any sort of possibility that debate of goodwill just goes. Mm -hmm. yeah, um, yeah. Again, in America, it's very much more politicized. Yes. Um, so it's I, I, difficult to talk about for me from that perspective. I'm mainly coming from a UK perspective. These sound bites, yeah, it's, it's scary because you know, we had that time when you know, climate psychology was going for people. You know, mm -hmm. I think you probably recall you know, NASA fake the moon landing, therefore climate science is a hoax. Mm -hmm. And it's like, just you know, even the title seems designed to just say, oh, all climate skeptics and nutters ignore yes. them. It's not just all their oil deniers or creationists or flat earthers, all, all these things. That was a little bit, you know, worrying. It's actually psychology. You know, you, people, that, you know, you got, not climate scientists, but every sort of seem, field seems to have activists in the field that concerned about climate that uses their field to write papers to do their bit. And, you know, I was looking back at that, um, that paper and, you know, clearly the guy was an activist. He'd been fighting Joe Nova in Australia for a few years, you know, mm -hmm. both in the media and ABC and opinion pieces, a bit of a battle going on. And, and that was just, just think that's, whether or not these people are the conspiracy theorists, that is, we're all mad as hell. That's still outside the ethics of the field. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Someone is that much of an activist. So he's literally researching people that, you know, it's in his ethics approval, or I've got to hide my name so that they'd be foaming at the mouth if I was trying to get information out of them. Well, maybe you're not the guy to do that research. Something's gone wrong there. Eventually, I wasn't even that concerned about the people doing it. They're clearly activists can't help themselves. I was more concerned mm -hmm. with the journals, the ethics departments, just allowing it. You know, and even when, you know, they complaints of departments and journals like this is just wrong you know you've got the guy for the second paper it's the paper recursive fury he's analyzing the criticism his first paper called the skeptic blocks and he recruited a researcher it's john cook of skeptical science but a guy called michael mm. maria mm. who runs a blog called watching the deniers well, mm. okay are you a psychology student no he's a librarian an it mm. person who runs a blog called watching the deniers that is a, says he's at war with these people. Well, how does he get to be a, a researcher on a psychology paper against a group of people he's at war with? And that was just the least of it. So there's, there's quite a few papers like that, and there's other papers designed like, clearly to get to Nuance or Ian Plyman, like there's an Alice in Wonderland paper, you know, people to just contradict themselves. Well, yeah, I looked at the quotes, and you know, Ian Plyman said, you know, the two quotes that could, take them, could contradict themselves about CO2, like that has no effect, doesn't have an effect. Well, yeah, one was he's a geologist, for one thing, and his first quote was in a book that was out of print, which I eventually got a copy of, and it was about Earth three billion years ago, when there's no oxygen in the atmosphere, CO2 is at 16%, completely different planetary atmosphere, and yeah, clearly CO2 had an effect then. And the other quote, which has no effect, wasn't yet now, and it's like 0 0.04%, 0 0.04%. Yes, it's yeah. Like, well, and they're like nine years apart, so rather than... If we, are we contradicting each other? He's like the Mad Hatter, you know, right. you know, Alice in Wonderland. You know, it's just contradictory. Well, that's a provocative title. But 
why don't we just ask the guy, have you changed your mind? You know, but right. no, it's purely employment in Australia is very, very high profile, mm-hmm. um, skeptic, and they had to take him down. And it's using, using psychology to do that. I think you know, enough people made enough fuss and enough noise. And it just got, that's just blatantly bad yes. for the field. And mm-hmm. it seems to have faded away, the psychologizing skeptics is nonsense because, well, some of the questions are, you know, what, you know is can we have nuclear wind? I think nuclear, well, it's not nothing to do with climate science or right. climate right. change. But to, you know, to be skeptical of the policy is, you know, in some people's view, is to be skeptical of science, not no, just bad policy. Mm-hmm. So that area of psychology, sort of attack psychology, seems to drift away. Yes. We do seem to go into the area of nudge psychology, behavior change. Oh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've got, yeah, we've got these net zero legislation. We've got to do this, but to get there, we people have got to eat less, travel less, do less. How do we do that? And that's just, I think, a little bit more scary. It's not just, you know, so in your face. It's and again, we've had nudge psychology unit. It's in sort of Downing Street is a you know, behavioural change, not just climate change, but, you know, just generally. Okay. Uh, and well, there's ethics issues there. Mm-hmm. And again, we have that with COVID, and there's, I think, um, there's a state of fear written by Laura Dodsworth that talks about the behavioral psychology units. It's just not, oh, for the greater good, clearly, but you're actually not actually debating people, telling them we, we need to do this. You're just doing you know, best marketing or yeah. worst you know, manipulative psychology to get what politicians want. That's not the way to treat the public. You know, it's really not. And again, if they find out about it, well, that's not <coughs> going to be great for the politicians either. Clearly, that happening. We saw it happen in COVID. You know, to you know, make people, you know, shame people to do the right thing, or tell them about their friends are doing it. And just all these subtle little nudges that you don't pick up on when you actually see if they're actually planning this. And it's, yes, that's ah, not great. But they're doing it with psychology, you know, psychology on you know, climate change, behaviour change, of public policy. You know, you've got to get people to travel less, eat less meat, all these things. And you're looking back at the people involved doing this. In the UK, is like the cast centre, it's a basic car biff, and you've got you know, various, you know, very high-profile professional psychologists previously working for years and understanding risk group. But the people who have been associating themselves are just climate activists. You know, we had the expert leader of climate change assembly called Lorraine Whitmarsh, she's a professor of psychology. Okay. There's an expert leader, four expert leads. And there are organisations at that event, called, one called Possible. And that was just the, the renamed 1010 campaign. Oh, the, yeah. the, those are the video of the exploding children. And, and you're working with these guys, you know, and age is stupid. These you know, anti-plane car, anti-plane activists, and knows nothing about anything. And you know, the other partner was like Coin, Climate Outreach Information Network, now called Climate Outreach. Well, the guy that founded Climate Outreach was the guy that 30 years ago was waving the placard at G7, they're all gonna die. Um, came back from the rainforest, thought, you know, climate change is like the next holocaust, they were all going to die. Really? And like uh, he quotes his articles, that, like the Jewish people that could not comprehend what was going to befall them, it's so bad. And his thesis was, we're all in denial of climate change, just like that. And he's a guy that did like sociology degree in 1984, went off the same rainforest and came back. And he's now running his climate change outreach information is working in the psychology department. And I think on some of the skeptical blogs, we've known, I looked into them ages ago from Campaign Against Climate Change and this organization, there was a, a psychologist at Cardiff actually working with them as associates. It's, you know, the, the guy behind the halls of shame, the, the okay. 
the who's who of climate deniers, you know, Mark Miners, George Marshall, with phrase climate deniers. I think, well, why a psychologist working with a guy that invented the phrase climate change deny? And that holds a shame. That's not, not great. Mm -hmm. We had his um, colleague, who was an associate for like 10 years of climate outreach, and at one, uh, as was at Carl's University as well, called, I think, a guy called Dr. Adam Corner. He's yeah, now yeah. left the organization now, I think. But um, yeah, his you know, colleague, we, he's a guy that initially the Guardian published a Lewandowski Moon and the Hoax paper, like a preprint, before it had a press release six weeks later, it went more mainstream. But he had been sent a copy by Lewandowski. You just write an article about it. And I said, well, hang about. He's an activist, clearly. You know, I'd seen the guy go to a debate at the policy, I think it's a policy exchange, where they're talking about communicating climate change with a conservative right. And there's okay, like Peter yeah. Liddy there, Benny Pizer from the Global Warming Policy Foundation, skeptical Tory MP, and a guy from Climate Outreach stands up and says, you know, I'm I'm a I'm a researcher, you know, not a campaigner. And he's like, well, are you sure? You know, <laughs> you know, I mean, you're, you're uh, there's a video of you on Friends of the Earth um, marching the the wave conference, uh, climate change. You're at Copenhagen waving a banner, stop climate change camps. Yeah. You're green past the MP, and just in front of a bunch of MPs, and you know, he said, I'm not, I'm a researcher, not a campaigner. Mm. How do you say that? Um, and oh, here's this photograph of you literally painted blue with a blue wig, waving a banner in London <laughs> on a climate change mark, march. Yeah. I believe went yeah. to that debate, and we might have live tweeted it. It's just embarrassing. So, Either he's sort of separated in his head, you know, on oh, working now, that's my activism. <laughs> okay. How, how would the public perceive that? I think I sort of tweeted about it a lot, and I ended up talking to the guys, you're trying to smear me with those, your photographs. Hang about, they're not my photographs, they're your photographs that was taken on the march, that, that you right. wrote a Facebook page on the Friends of the Earth blog page. You know, mm -hmm. You're talking to MPs that you're not a campaigner. Well, I'm not paid for anything. Well, who says you were? You're, and, it, and later on, he's doing research about communicating climate change. I think, oh, you've got some blind spots here. You know, you right. just, and he's talking about or oh, visuals. They had a protocol of visuals of um, how to change people's minds and get results. Oh. And he did research of focus groups of the public. And they found, well, we found these, this, these you know, photographs of activists. And it's, 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 it's a quite an iconic picture in the Guardian of a, activists painted blue and, and, and they found that the public hated that the most. Oh, okay. I'm really surprised by that. Adam, you were on this, and he said, in the same breath, he said in a video online somewhere, I think I was on that march. <laughs> yes, you were, and you were painted blue also. <laughs> and he's sort of, sort of saying, I don't think the public recognise your authentic, authenticism of the activists. And I just think you're a bunch of yeah. activists that are intolerant. And, won't, and he's like, you're a psychologist working for departments, you know, government, government grants you know this part of the climate outreach network working with the car center the five million grant to change people's behavior mm -hmm. and a and guy literally founded an organization who's found it founded earth first uk that you know, going back to the quotes you know, going back to the thesis of um the green um, party um politician did research on the, the roads movement. The, the climate Earth, it's like um, Earth First UK, was so into direct action it made Greenpeace know there was that militant. You know, really? Okay. Yes, and you, and this is a guy behind the climate change eyes and you're working with. And how is this field of psychology even working with these people? And yeah, the other organisation working with is possible. It's you know, Asia Stupid founder. 
and you've got, I think it's just mad. Oh, we're going to nudge people to do meat taxes and put VAT uh, as an incentive. We raise tax on gas um, to make people want to have heat pumps. And it, well, that's not going to fly politically, is it? Yeah. These would be the first politicians say, oh, I'm going to put Labour Party leader to this Conservative Party leader, you know, Conservative warm home tax or hot shower tax, you know. Right, but right. They're so, so fixated on net zero, nothing else uh-huh. sinks in. So when you talk about the people painted blue, it makes me think of the Extinction Rebellion people wearing yeah. the identical red gowns and holding their yes. arms out, and they're trying not to look like a cult. I think they're. Yeah. That looks exactly like a I mean, cult. And looking at that that research from Climate Outreach, I mean, it's quite good research. And they did research. They found out the public hated that sort of activist. Yeah. Um, I didn't really understand why, but they did point out. And like, but it's the same people doing the same thing. You look at Extinction Rebellion. I mean, some of the founders were 10 years ago were doing similar things. It, it, mm-hmm. The Extinction Rebellion came out of a, a group called Rising Up. Okay. And 20 years ago, George Mon- Marshall founded Rising Tide. Mm-hmm. And, you know, some of the people involved were going back to Occupy, to the, the Rhodes Movement, all those things going back decades, just repeating the same thing time and time again. But in Extinction Rebellion's case, they got knocked into shape by another psychologist is called uh, Margaret Klein Salomon, okay. who's the founder of the Climate Mobilization Project in the USA about 2014. That had quite, you look at their website, quite a bit of success with the Democratic Party and the Green New Deal, etc., etc., etc. And <clears throat> she literally did knock them into shape for the climate emergency, the three sound bites. Before she came along, hmm. they were just really old school, you know, symbols like clenched fists and this and left, very far left and complete. Unscutten mm-hmm. matters type, but she came along in the early days, knocked them into shape with the climate emergency, climate citizens assembly, and 2025 deadline. Okay. But that actually goes back to her thing in 2014. Okay. We've got 10 years to save the planet. Yeah. <laughs> but now, when coming on to 2019, 2020, they still got the same, you know, that 10 years is now five years closer. Okay. Still got yeah. the same possible deadline. They didn't seem to realize that. But again, looking back at her profile, she again believes sincerely, you look back at all the work, when it was a shoestring organization in America in 2014, no money at all. Can you believe the climate catastrophe like Roger Hallam, we're all going to die extinction? There's analogies with, you know, it's climate holocaust, I mean, millions of people, billions of people are going to die, really, really scared, really focused, they're really, really motivated, because they really, really do believe these guys. Mm-hmm. Um, it's clear, you just watch their. Yeah, yeah, YouTube videos of 50 views. They really, really do believe. But again, this lady now is actually, because of XR is so successful, that occupying that bridge in London got worldwide attention. It, you know, the activists put the pressure on, the Green Alliance came along, got the Citizens Assembly, they got the net zero into law, not 2025, but net by 2050, which is just as mad. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was the compromise. You know, okay. the activists put the pressure yeah. on. Um, the money that funded these organizations put the pressure on, got the results, um, and here we are. And so, and it's a simple, you can just look into it. How did this happen? Massive organizations, governments, politicians, just literally fall along with catastrophism, doomerism. Mm-hmm. And it just doesn't yeah, hold up to yeah. any scrutiny. And again, even if, just in case it might be three degrees by 2050, well, you want fossil fuels to protect yourself against it because, you know, we are protected 
in the West in a hurricane, whereas a typhoon in the developing part of the world might kill thousands because they haven't got clean water or infrastructure. People die because of diseases afterwards. They haven't got the hard, you know, wealth and as in things we take for granted, protect you from climate change impacts. I do think Alex Epstein said, says it really well. He said that fossil fuels didn't take a safe climate and make it dangerous. Uh, yeah, it has helped to take a dangerous climate yeah. and make it much safer for us. Yes, I, I absolutely. Think. I mean, hundred. Yeah. you can see the world in data graphs, you know, yes, by so. climate and weather over the last 150 years has gone down 98%, you know, 95%. It's just dropped and dropped and dropped. You know, as quality of life has gone up mm -hmm. by every human measure, life expectancy, yes. child poverty, yep. et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, <clears throat> but somehow the catastrophe and the very, very loud, scared voices have just, everyone's gone along with that. Mm -hmm. So going back a few years, there was a yeah. report in the Guardian, 300,000 climate change deaths, you know? And yeah. it was a nonsense report by Global Humanitarian Forum. We had Kofi Annan signed up to it, all the scientists signed up to it. Mm -hmm. I think I remember looking back at the Guardian article, people getting a copy of the report and pulling apart the, well, that's just nonsense on the day it's published, but Guardian pushing it, um, you know, 1010 Climate Change Action Group pushing it, 300,000 people dying this, we've only killed five people in our video. I remember yeah. exchanging you know, Twitter comment with Franny Armstrong, who founded mm -hmm. 1010 Climate uh, yeah. Action. A few years later, I sent you the tweet, and yet yeah, she said, actually, that, that, that was wrong, it was a bit dodgy, we don't use it anymore. Really? Okay. Yeah, but I remember yeah. seeing an act of this on top of King's North Coal Power Station. We camped out, climbed the tower, 300,000 people dying of climate change. That's why I'm doing it. There's people on the roofs of the House of Parliament, Greenpeace, 300,000 people dying of climate change. And again, you look at the report, it's, it was like, well, an extra 2% might be dying of climate change because of a bit more dysentery or malaria. An extra bit here, an extra bit there. It's all really stitched together nonsense. And it's like, well, okay, well, but if those 300,000 people dying secondary order things. You don't care about the three million people that die in the same thing. You know, right, right. and solving climate change, or you, if it was true, you might save those 300,000 people that are dying, but you don't care about the 2.7 million people dying of natural yeah. causes. Uh, I'm confident- and You solve those problems, you give them clean water, you did that, you stop- Absolutely. And yeah. you, you will actually, even if climate change impact, you, if you kill, you know, stop malaria, which you could do, mm -hmm. You save the climate change debt as well, and the other three million people. But they're so fixated on yeah. saving the planet, you know, attacking big oil, attacking this, that mm -hmm. completely forgot about the boring stuff. I, I am very confident that the real yeah. number of people that have been killed by CO two induced climate change is zero. Yeah. I would say zero people now, yeah, or, or exactly, ever. Yeah. from four hundred or four hundred twenty parts per million CO two, yeah. nobody, and they never produce names of anybody who was killed by climate yeah, where change. Where the bodies? Yeah. It's yeah. like all the, the million. Species gone extinct. Well, yeah, can we yeah, exactly. Which you look at, well, actually, yeah. that's the yeah. some paper on an island. It's extrapolated on data. That the data data itself says don't use this to extrapolate. Yeah. But it's nonsense. Activist science papers, and they get into the media because they get the headlines. But in most of climate science is not like that. Right. But from right, a public right. perspective, I mean, I, yep. I think I remember a long time ago, I was saying to climate science, even on my blog, that when it goes, when this comes chickens come home to roost on this and we got suffering from policies because science says well who's going to be held to blame <laughs> you know i'm just at barry j woods on twitter basically these days okay all right. but i do have a blog but i haven't actually put anything on it for years all right um, again i've put stuff on uh what's up with that because i thought 
if you're on a skeptic blog, you're just talking to people that mm. I don't need to be talking to. Yeah. Right back at the beginning of this, I, I thought rather than say why this person's wrong or that person's wrong, I'll actually go and try and talk to that person. Mm, okay. You know, and say, actually, I don't want to tell people you're wrong. I'm trying to tell you you're wrong, you know, or mm. you want to persuade me I'm wrong. You know, it's right. You know, I actually, you know, talked to Mark Linus, mm. the guy behind the Climate Change Hall of Shame with George Marshall. And again, on I think Julius Curry's blog, I've met the guy a couple of times, even though we live, I gave him a lift to a debate once, you know. Oh, really? You know, it's like, because you get to know people, you can't call each other names. Mm -hmm. We actually said on this, um, Julius Curry's blog, that Hall of Shame was shameful. You know, he met Professor Lindzen, you know, years ago, he's in the Hall of Shame at Evil Exxon Funded Denier. And he said, okay, do you, would you say that now? And he said, well, he still thinks he's wrong. But mm -hmm. wrong in interesting ways, but it's not, it's evil, it's caricature, an yes. activist caricature. Absolutely. That has polarized the debate so much, there's been no debate possible, even discussion. And I'm not talking about debate about science, just policies. Mm -hmm. That, you know, if it's one degree, three degrees, six degrees, that policy could still be dumb. Absolutely. It's the wrong thing to do. Mm -hmm. And I, I think I put my a link on my Twitter profile to my last sort of what's up with that blog post, which I said, I thought the science was settled enough you know, years ago to do some action. Yeah, you know, okay, we, we don't know. You know, the, the activists think, you know, oil knew about CO2 30 years ago. Well, said the government, you know. Right. <laughs> but they've got this analogy in the head. The tobacco science hid science. You know, tobacco science, it's hid science. Well, obviously the oil industry is doing the same thing, but they were just repeating what was in the public domain. Mm -hmm. um, again, but they also knew, you know, okay, we use these, these things are useful. This could be bad, but we are still using these things because they're good, you know, we're useful. And what they expect to do, shut down the oil industry. Well, the government could have shut down the oil industry anytime, but they choose not to because their products were useful. Sorry, that, that polarization was so bad. Mm -hmm. um, we've just got to the state where no one could support, discuss anything because of the activists made so much noise over the last 20 years. And only now I think people are able to start discussing some of the policies and choices and net zero, because there's more people noticing, you know, mm. energy policy crisis, this or that won't work, or this won't work. And there's now more and more people actually, well, okay, still believe in climate change, still got to do net zero, but actually this might not work. We might need to fire the coal power station, coal fired power station this winter to keep the lights on. And the actress is still going insane. Mm. Um, <coughs> but more and more politicians and normal regular people asking the same questions so the whole last 15 years sort of debate this sort of, all like the phony climate world wars are now very very real and yet more people either end up being caught names and shouted down mm -hmm. <coughs> or an actual debate will you know on policies not the science will happen because science will always be right you know science, climate science is right now is it is right 30 years ago at the best of our knowledge at the time, if you look at the consensus of all the work, that's what we know. I don't know about America. Are they sort of doubling down on the energy policies? Or? Yeah, we'll see. I mean, just the recent bill that passed looks pretty dire for, for sanity. I think it's incredibly really? crazy to spend all that money, $369 billion trying to prevent bad weather. But What are uh, they doing? What's the bill actually do? Is it, does it ban more renewables, ban more 
fossil fuel? Good question. I don't know exactly what, uh, <laughs> but I know what it's not doing is it's not going to have any measurable uh, benefit on the weather or climate ever. I know that much. So whatever. Anyway, back, back to your question, I just remembered. Yeah. Uh, on my you know, Twitter profile, I've got my last blog post. It's written a long time ago now, but I think it sort of still stands up pretty well about where I came fr come from and you know where I think the future is going. You know, and the science was settled enough to do something, but not the XR something, or not the Greenpeace something, not the other something. You know, we yes. could have had nuclear power and again, that would have been better than coal, you know, be mm -hmm. less particulates. Yeah. I think we covered a lot here and I really enjoyed it. So thank you very much, Barry Woods. Thanks for listening to the Tom Nelson podcast. Don't forget to subscribe.